Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 808 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today, we're going to be speaking with Adele. Her child was in the Teplizumab trial. Now, this was recorded about five months ago or so, and since then, Teplizumab has been FDA-approved and is now being sold under the brand name of Tzield. Tzield. I don't know how they say it. T-Z-I-E-L-D. Tzield? Tzield? Zield? Is the T silent? Is the Z silent? Is it Tzield? Tzield? Zield? Zield? I don't know. Anyway. Her kid was in the trial. It was a double-blind study, but I think you'll hear while we're talking that it seems like her kid got the drug during the trial. If you don't know what double blind means, well, then that might not make much sense to you. But you'll figure it out as you're listening. All right, let me just say this and we'll get started. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. It just occurred to me that you might not know what teplizumab is. Um, after the music, I'll explain. So back in like, I don't know, March or April of 2021, I had Francisco Leone on the show in episode 452 called Learning About Teplizumab. Now, Francisco uh, is the co-founder of Prevention Bio. He's like a PhD and a really great guy who came on and talked all about type 1 diabetes and the work that the company was doing at that time, which was to potentially be bringing teplizumab to market if they could get it FDA approved. Francisco's an immunologist and a self-described autoimmune aficionado who is focused on eradicating autoimmune disease through early detection and prevention. Anyway, he comes on, he tells us all about this drug that they think, you'll have to go listen to it. It holds off the onset of type 1 diabetes. And we talked about other stuff. It's a really good episode. Anyway, the drug got approved by the FDA. And I'd like to see if I can get the company back on at some point to talk more about it. But for now, what I have for you is Adele and her story of her child, who was on the teplizumab study. And when you go into a double-blind study for research, some people get the drug, and some people get a placebo. And they never really tell you who is who. But I mean, if the drug is supposed to do something, and you find it happening, you kind of surmise you might be getting the drug. So this is Adele's story of her child's experience in the trial. And I think you'll find it interesting. That's like the longest explanation of an episode I've ever done. Uh, you should listen to this episode. Also, hang out for a second while I say this. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by... I don't have my list in front of me. I don't know who it's sponsored by. Uh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Don't... Don't... Just... I don't want to hear about it. Uh, episode... What episode did I say it was? 808? Okay, I got it. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Athletic Greens, makers of AG1. If you want the same drink I have every morning, you want AG1. Find out more and get started today at athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box. The podcast is also sponsored today by US Med. Get your diabetes supplies at the same place we do from US Med. To get started, get a free benefits check at 
usmed.com forward slash juice box or by calling 888-721-1514. Okay, long preamble, cool episode. Appreciate you hanging out here while I get this all straight. Let's get going. <laughs> right. I, I'm recording now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought, I thought because like you have the microphone and it just sounds a little bit different. So I thought maybe in real life it would sound. Well, this isn't real life. I'm speaking through the microphone right now. True. So yeah, I wonder what I really do sound like. Right. Yeah. I don't know anymore either. Because in my ears, I hear what you hear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I probably. Yeah, it does sound different. I, I don't speak through microphones very often. So I'm saying, though, if I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, if my voice really is, I mean, all right, let me be honest here. I'm, I'm, I'm running my audio through a couple of things. So, you know, stuff to keep like popping out of my voice. So like, I don't like pop my peas, um, like takes hissing out of the sound. I'm not, let's see. Well, I'm not doing much else to my voice. Like I'm not overdriving it or, I mean, I have a little bit of like, there's a little gain behind it so that I don't have to struggle to speak. Uh, but I mean, mostly this is, it's about what I sound like. I think who knows? Yeah, that makes sense. I don't even know. I forget now. Adele. I, I only hear myself through my ears. So I should record myself just on my iPhone and listen to myself. Right. It's always, I find it's always different when I hear myself on recording versus what I think I actually sound like. All right. Well, now you got me thinking about it. Hold on a second. <laughs> Does this phone have a recording app? We're never going to get to why you're on the podcast. We will. Right. Hold on a second. Um, what would it, what would I record on an iPhone? So it's got to be like a recorder on here or something. Right? Oh, there is. I record my children when they're being extra nasty. I'm like, this is what you sound like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this um, is what I have to listen well, to. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking about this so hard. Why don't I just put the camera up? All right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up my camera. I'm going to record video. So I'm just going to record. So I'm going to hold this up to my mouth. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Okay, now I'm going to play that back, but I'm going to take my headphones off so I can hear myself. Hold on. <laughs> Should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Huh. All right, Adele, that's about what I sound like. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize. Oh, you must have so much fun with all the people you get to chat with. I do have a good time. I, I love this job. This is the the best job ever. Uh, my my son and I are just texting a minute ago because he's you know two weeks shy of graduating from his undergrad, and I know yeah. he's, he's exhausted and he he's looking for a break, and at the same time he doesn't know what he's doing next, and I think that worries him. And, for sure. And I was I was just sharing with him that uh, yeah we were talking about my grades in high school, <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's this one grade he's not thrilled with he's you know going to graduate no trouble but I think he's a little let down he took two really difficult classes in his last semester on top of a, a baseball season, which oh, uh, wow. COVID kind of forced that or otherwise he would have split these classes up one in the fall, one in the spring. And uh, anyway, so it's not where he wants it to be. It's not terrible. And I said, my God, those are like the best grades I ever got. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I said, and I'm the only published author who ever left my high school. And, right. And I said, you know, I, I said, I've been able to find success in life. Don't worry about it. You know, you'll be okay. But I think at this moment, he's just worried about everything. Anyway. Well, uh, and it's harder when you're young, too. Like, when I was 22, I had no idea what I was doing in my life. Oh, sure. And now... I don't know. I think I have the best job ever. I have to argue with you a little bit on that. I deliver babies for a living, and that's amazing. Oh, but you have to leave your house for that. That's true. I do. <laughs> you don't even know if I'm dressed right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, God. You imagine if you started showing up at those deliveries and you were just like, hey, Adele's here in a sports bra and a skirt. <laughs> let's, get, let's get this done. Um, well, let's do it. Do you, you think people think I'm wearing a sports bra and a skirt right now? Because <laughs> that's what came to my mind. Um, right. <laughs> it, it doesn't work with me. You know how when people say things, you can think, well, that's what they're really thinking. It, yeah. And it usually works out really well. My brain is so distorted that when I make stuff up, I I am literally pulling it from nowhere. So <laughs> anyway, um, we should probably introduce you and start the podcast. What's your name? Sounds good. Adele. Uh, Adele, do you want your last name to be in this? No, let's just do first name. Okay. Well, you already said your last name, so I'll bleep it out. <laughs> <laughs> do you have type one or do you are you the parent of someone with type one? What's your deal? My son was diagnosed with type one last year. We're oh. one year post-diagnosis. How old is he? He is 10. He was diagnosed when he was nine took away my opportunity to subtract one from 10, but okay. Adele. Uh, <laughs> Making it easy on you, Scott. <laughs> no, it's just, you're taking away the parts where I get to feel good. Okay. Kids 10, Adele's diagnosis is nine. Boy, you're Adele. How old are you? I'm 45. Okay. And are you an OB or are you a what do you do for a living? I'm mostly OB nurse. I do some pediatrics as well. Nurse pediatrics, very nice. Any other children, Adele? I have another son who's six. Six. How pissed were you when Adele became famous? Oh my God. The bad Adele jokes just keep coming. Mm. Yeah, that was probably a bad day for you. Um, <laughs> gonna guess. Let's see. What else can you say? Although I'm older than she is, That's so what I'm she was actually named after me. <laughs> have you sent her a note to let her know? Exactly. I've spoken with some of our colleagues as well. So it's just such a simple, it's such a simple thing, but I mean, your name's not common. And then yes. this person pops up in the world, becomes incredibly famous with your name. I just figure it's probably irritating, but uh, you're okay with it. Do people ask I'm okay you to with sing? it. I've got some pretty good comebacks. So, <laughs> oh, do, I mean, how many people look at you and go, hello? Oh my God. <laughs> Right? Constantly. Right. And even if people are saying hi to you, you have to think, is this sarcasm about my name? What's going on? It's a lot of stress for you. I don't Oh, like it's it. pretty funny, actually. I find it pretty entertaining. Oh, look at you. You have such a good uh, way about you. What is going on? Are you from the South? The, the West Coast, the easygoing West Coast. I live on in a vacation place, so my life is pretty, pretty chill. I feel like I'm on vacation every day. Just say you're on a half a gummy adult. We understand what's going on. Okay. <laughs> so, um, married. Yes. Yes. Um, when the little boy is diagnosed, complete surprise, something you were looking for. What was that moment like? It was a complete surprise at that moment. However, looking back in time, I think that he actually could have been diagnosed Probably around age four or five. Get out of here. Why do you think that? 
Well, we noticed some behavioral issues with my child when he was little, and it wasn't like ADHD or autism or anything really specific. But we noticed as soon as we would change his diet, go to really low carb, really high protein, eliminate any added sugar with anything and exercise him like crazy, he would kind of calm down and go back into like a normal child-like state. Like he would just be really fun and easygoing and kind of more, the bizarre behavior would really kind of disappear. And so at the time, you know, we're thinking what, what's going on with this child, but it was an easy fix. So we thought, well, maybe he's just not getting enough protein or enough balance or he needs more stimulation. But I think looking back on it, I think that his blood sugar was getting a little bit high. And then by cutting those things out, we were probably bringing him back into a normal range because he was just early on. Hmm. Maybe he was in a really long honeymoon because that'd be a long time for four years or so. Yeah. I think just maybe kind of the earlier phases of it. We have a lot of type one in our family, so maybe it was there, or maybe I'm just looking back and saying, well, that could have been, who knows? Yeah. But you're saying that since his blood sugar is managed well, he's not like that anymore. Not, not at all. Interesting. He's really a different kid. Oh, well, that's great. I mean, different in a good way though, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely different in a good way. <laughs> he didn't start running numbers for the mob or something like that like, with, all, <laughs> with all of his newfound clarity. He's like, mom, I have way more clarity now. I'm going to, can I loan shark? Um, so what do you mean? There's a lot of type one in your family. I have both on both sides. We have a lot of cousins with type one. How many? Give me a number on your husband's side. On my husband's side, two on my side, five. That's whoa. Look at you. Five yeah. cousins, so uh, children of your aunts and uncles, that kind of thing? Yeah. Not you, though, growing up. N not me. And no one in my immediate family. Hmm. Did you just think that those people were burdened by it and not you? Like, so you grew up with cousins who had type 1 diabetes? Yes. Interesting. And no thought, like, maybe I'll get it one day or my children could get it, anything like that? Not at all. Okay. It was just, oh, it's in their their families. Didn't even think that I would have a child with it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, you want to hear something really bizarre, though, right before he was diagnosed. Yeah, yeah. So my next door neighbor, who is a fantastic person and we're really good friends, it was middle of COVID. He was having an outdoor barbecue for his family. It was his grandson's third birthday and or fourth birthday and he had been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes just a few months before that so we went to this barbecue I met another person who actually introduced me to your podcast and the next day I saw her in the pediatric unit her son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes now these two people are best friends mm -hmm. one year later I'm calling this girl being like hey do you remember me you're not going to believe this but I think my son has type 1 diabetes <laughs> And everyone else you know in the town got it on the same day. Is that right? And now it's an ABC television show where you all live under a bubble. Is that correct? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Totally. Do you remember Under the Dome? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was a TV show whose premise I liked for five minutes. And then I was like, what are they doing in this show? Uh, not the point. That's, that, that is insane. So these people, all within a year, you have three, yeah. three families diagnosed. Yes. Wow. No kidding. And we they are my biggest support group. We have our diabetic wine group in Comox. <laughs> diabetic wine group? Now, is that just an excuse to drink? Pretty much. Okay, just, just say that. <laughs> <laughs> we all have 10 fingers and toes, Scott, so we get together and we have a group about it. It's mainly, exactly. about, the, it's mainly about the wine. Uh, so tell me something. Uh, 
what were the first signs for your son? The first sign, so we are really big cross-country skiers, and so we were going up to the mountain for a ski, and he was just sobbing. He was just so tired. He didn't want to go, and that's not like him, and we just thought, oh, he's just being whiny, and we're like, you're going, and we got there, and he was just a disaster, and that was really just odd for him, and then he started getting up at night to pee, and he always had kind of gone to the bathroom at night, so it wasn't that unusual, but it was a couple of times. My husband's like, I don't know why he's getting up at night. This seems a bit odd. And then I'd been working. And when I work, I work 12 hour days and nights. So I'm pretty much gone for five days straight. And then we decided to go canoeing because it was beautiful out. We, took, we bought a brand new canoe and we decided we were going to go out for the day canoeing. So we leave our house. My Everybody goes to the bathroom because inevitably you get in the car and someone has to go. We get 15 minutes away from home. My son's like, I really got to go. Like, you got to pull over now. I'm going to wet my pants. I thought, well, that's really unusual. I'm sure you just went to the bathroom. And then we got there, which is another 15 minutes away. So 30 minutes in total. And he'd gone to the bathroom three times. And I just went, oh my God, you have diabetes. And it wasn't really like, there wasn't really anything else. It was just my complete gut instinct that that was what's going on. And then I emailed his teacher and I was like, I really want you to watch for these things. Is he drinking more? Is he going to the bathroom? Do you notice anything different with my son? And she emailed me back and she was like, yeah, I think I, like he was filling up his water bottle quite a bit last week. I think I noticed that. And so immediately I just went, oh my gosh, I've just got to get him in. Right. And so I called my doctor and it was kind of an interesting go of things because all of the phone lines, the cell network was down for Rogers, which was with who I was with. So we had no phone service, but I went to work that day and I phoned the doctor's office as soon as I got to work. And the doctor actually answered the phone because she saw it was the hospital calling. So I said, hey, I and because I work in the hospital, we're all pretty close with the doctors. And so I just said, hey, like, I need you to do this for me. I think my son has diabetes. And she's like, well, you know, it could be a urinary tract infection. It could be a number of things, but I'll give you the, the form for the blood work and we'll just go from there. So I called my husband. I was like, get him from school. I need you to bring my son home. Uh, we need to test him right away. And I also had a, a ketone test strip from somebody that I'd been given. And so when we went down to the lab, I made him pee on a stick. And I was like, oh, my goodness, just lit up. I had he had protein, glucose, ketones, all the things in his urine. Mm -hmm. So I just knew from that moment that that's what we were dealing with. When you and so as well, like being in a smaller hospital and knowing everybody, I just said, hey, guys, like I'm taking you to emerge right now. So they drew all the blood work that they would need for the emergency room. And then I took him in and they just we went from there. When you had the thought that he had diabetes, you said, like, it struck you. Did you actually say it out loud to him or was it a thought in your head? I said it out loud to my husband. I said, he's diabetic. And then my husband actually made him, he started Googling because he really Did loves he? Dr. Google. And so he started Googling things and then he made him pee in a cup and he was like, smell this. It doesn't smell like diabetes. <laughs> diabetes smells sweet. And this doesn't smell sweet at all. <laughs> you guys just sitting around sniffing pee together? Is that what's going on? That's nah. what we do as a family. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Did you let the kid pee on the side of the road by the or did you stop at a restroom? No, oh, when he had to go to the washroom, he peed on the side of the road. We didn't I didn't make him pee or my husband didn't make him pee in a cup until we got home that night. Yeah. So it was later on when we were at home. I'm just gonna share with you that I enjoy peeing on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> both of my boys do it's the greatest thing one of the things i'm going to miss most about my son you know graduating from college if he doesn't keep playing baseball is peeing in a field behind a tree somewhere it's like <laughs> right. one of my great simple pleasures like i have to go to the bathroom the building's all the way over there those trees are right there i'll be right back 
<laughs> I coach five-year-old soccer, so we're pretty much always doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't, if you haven't peed in a field, your kid doesn't play baseball. So, um, right. Okay, so interesting. So now that he's at the hospital, do you find that your experience is either greater or lesser than it would be if you didn't work there? I honestly feel like it was greater because. So my son did not do well with blood or needles. He would get a paper cut and he would see blood and he would scream like he was being murdered. He did not do well at all. So when we got his lab work done, it was a three-person job, two people holding him down, one person drawing the blood. We got into a merge. They wanted to start an IV on him. And then in walks this nurse that knows me and she's like, oh, Adele, you're my favorite nurse, Oliver. I'm so happy. I love working with your mom. She's amazing. And then we just started chatting about things and then he just calmed right down Mm. and she popped an IV in like there was nothing. And he was like, mom, that didn't even hurt. He was just really, really easygoing about it. And then the physician that was on that night is actually one of his classmates, one of his friend's moms. So we kind of knew her as well. And I just felt like we really got exceptional care. I asked because there are times that healthcare professionals come on and they, I I guess they experience that doctors just assume they know, so they don't explain anything to them. They just leave it like, like, oh, you get it. You're a nurse. And you're like, I don't know. You know, I deliver babies. I'm not like a, I'm like not, not an endo, you know, like that kind of thing. Or you have, you know, friendlies around and they over explain and, and, and are really on your side and help. So that's why I asked really. Yeah, I felt like we actually got a lot of explanations. I did have to ask a bit, like we we were transferred to another hospital where I didn't have the same um, relationships with people. So once we did start getting our education, I did have to ask for a lot of things because I was like, honestly, I don't know how to use an insulin pen. You have to show me like you would show somebody that's never seen one before because I use syringes in the hospital. I don't know how this thing works. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know how to catch a baby and I don't know how to do this. Right. Like exactly. Your work is specialized. So when he's um, how long does he spend in the hospital? He spent four days there. Was he in DKA? No, no. We actually, when I went in, they were, they were all pretty amazed. They were like, wow, you caught him really early. Hmm. Is he, is he honeymooning now or, or no, a year later? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. So you think that this is possible. This has been going on for a while you're guessing, but even after a year, you're still seeing honeymooning. So how does that uh, present for you? Right now, so we have an amazing endocrinologist. I love her to pieces. I worked with her in Vancouver quite a few years ago. She's absolutely amazing. We just had an appointment with her and we were talking about the honeymoon and Oliver's experience with honeymooning. And she said, you know, typically because his A1C didn't drop dramatically fast and his blood sugars didn't really come into range very dramatically after diagnosis, she's really shocked that he's still in a honeymoon phase. So he's really, he's a large 10 year old. He's very tall and very muscular and he's using about anywhere from nine to 15 units of insulin a day, which for his size is quite low. And some days he gets these crazy insulin surges where he really doesn't need any insulin at all. Hmm. And so they feel like that's really unusual given the way that he presented at diagnosis, even though they felt like we caught him early, he wasn't in full blown DKA, but he'd been kind of a slow burn. Did they test him like C peptide, things like that, to check to make sure he's type one? Yes. Okay. All of his, he tested positive for all of the antibodies and off the charts for all of them. Hey, 
way to go. Right? If you're going to do something, you got to do it well. Get those high scores. Why not? So, I mean, the whole time you've been talking, I'm thinking to myself, you said West Coast at first, and then I realized she's Canadian. She didn't mean I thought you meant California at first, and I was like, "No, you're you're definitely Canadian. You're so pleasant. You know that about yourself, I imagine. <laughs> Do you? Well, I have moments. Do you want to tell me about any of them when you're not? <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for the next one, Scott. Oh, I see. All right, well, we're not getting that out of you. So you're on for a pretty specific reason. So now that we got your background together, I'd like to jump into it. Um, sure. So tell me about how. Uh, a trial was brought to your attention? It was quite interesting. We were about to leave the hospital. We just met and met with our new pediatrician. And she was like, by the way, there's this clinical trial going on in Vancouver. It's a lot of work. If you want, if you're interested, here's the, here's the thing. And just kind of tossed it in our lap. I was like, well, I feel like the diagnosis of diabetes for a lot of people is very overwhelming. There's so much going on and you have to enter this trial within six weeks of diagnosis. Mm -hmm. But not only do you have to enter the trial, you have to go through a pretty rigorous screening process and you have to start the medication within six weeks of diagnosis as part of the criteria. And I thought it's probably hard to recruit a lot of children. And as well, I have a friend that really regretted not going into it because there's been a lot of benefits seen or people feel like there's benefit potentially seen with this new medication. So I thought, let's give my child a chance to experience that. And if we're helping other kids in future generations, I feel like that would be really beneficial. So how long, so, how long has he been in the trial? Like since he was diagnosed? Since he was diagnosed, six weeks post-diagnosis okay. is when we started. And are you aware if he's getting the drug or, a, or a, not? As far as I'm aware, I think that he is getting the drug mostly because of the reaction. So the reaction for children that are getting the medication is quite, can be quite extreme, whereas the ones that are not tend to have no response or very minimal response. For Oliver, he, when he started the trials, we went down, we had to go to Vancouver, we're on an island, take a ferry across, get there, they have to do an oral glucose tolerance test. And that takes up the better part of the day. And then they give you a two hour long infusion of either a placebo or teplizumab. Mm -hmm. And so we did the infusion. We went back to our suite. We're just relaxing, tuck him into bed at 2 a.m. The Dexcom starts going off and he's going straight up, which he wasn't greatly controlled at the beginning of his diagnosis, but he was definitely, we were seeing numbers mostly between six and 10 at night. And he wouldn't typically go straight up. So I felt him and he was extraordinarily hot. He was, and his blood sugar shot straight up to 20. And I checked his temperature and he was 41 degrees. And of course, being the really prepared mom that I am, I had absolutely nothing. I didn't think to bring Tylenol or ibuprofen or anything with me. I just thought, okay, we're going to this trial, probably won't get the medication. I had no idea what I was in for. And by more at four in the morning, I mean, thankfully I'm in Vancouver. Everything is open at four o'clock. I can go out. I get some Tylenol, run out super quick and grab, medicate him like crazy. And I got his temperature down to 39, but barely. For, 41 Celsius is a, is a vicious uh, yeah. fever. It's he a, was, over 105 Fahrenheit. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so your point is you think he was having a reaction to something that was given to him. Exactly. Yeah. And since then, do you know other people in the trial? 
Yeah, actually, it's been really neat because I've connected with people in various parts of the world because it's a worldwide trial. And so I've actually been in touch with people in Florida and California and locally and across Canada. So it's been really interesting to chat with some of the people that have experienced it. And mostly the reaction is very much the same. They were like, my child was quite responsive to it. I think my son's kind of been the most responsive in terms of how sick he got. But most most of the children have had some sort of reaction, whether it's a really bad rash or fever or GI symptoms. Have you spoken to anybody who's had the placebo and said, oh, I don't, I don't have any reactions. I don't know what you're talking about. And you think oh, yeah. they must have had the placebo. Yeah, I have a good friend here that was also is also in the trial with her son and she's like you know we haven't really seen any response with insulin needs or any response to the medication when he did get it Mm. so what do you how let me pick through this hold on a second so first of all how how often do you have to go to the trial center so initially we were going every month so at six weeks you do your two-week infusion period and then you go back two weeks later and then they have certain time frames that you go back. So I've been going pretty much every month. November was our second round of the infusion. Mm-hmm. And then now we're kind of tapering off. So we go back kind of every three months for a check-in. We're going back in two weeks for our last glucose tolerance test. Uh, when, in that first time when he gets the, the medication, he gets it for days in a row. Is that correct? Yeah. He gets a 10, 10 or 12-day Uh, 12-day course of medication. So you go back every day for that amount of time and get a different infusion. Yeah. Wow. Um, He sounds like a trooper. It was really intense. Like the first four days were so awful. I didn't think that he was going to complete it. I thought he was going to say, no, I'm not doing this. He had really intense fevers. The second day, they couldn't get his fever down. So we ended up at the clinic for the full day and into the evening. And then... He had really severe muscle spasms. And then the third day, he started complete nausea and vomiting. It was really intense. Wow. Looking back now, are you happy you did it? U.S. Med is where we get Arden's diabetes supplies. And you could as well. Now, we've done... A couple of different companies through the years, and they've all been frustrating, to say the least. But U.S. Med has been a delight. If you want to get started today, you go to usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. You just need to get a benefits check. That's absolutely free. Then you find out if you can get started or not. Now, here's what you get with U.S. Med. You get somebody who carries everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs like the Freestyle Libre 3 and the Dexcom G6. They accept Medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers. Every time you order from US Med, you know what you get? 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. Better service and better care is what US Med offers. And they've delivered that care to over 1 million diabetes customers since 1996. USmed.com forward slash juice box. Just do it. What do you do? I mean, you, you know you hate the company that you're working with right now. It's garbage, right? Do it now. Uh, you take a couple minutes of your day and you get things, get things going in the right direction. USmed.com forward slash juice box. 888-721-1514. 
I'm enamored with my voice today. I don't know if you can tell or not. One five, one four. I started taking AG1 because I don't take in nutrition the way I should. There, I said it. Sometimes I don't eat a balanced diet. And I know I should. But I don't. And so I take AG1 instead. Judge me if you want. But that's why I take it. Also, I really like it. Meaning I've been looking for a green drink for a while. I tried a number of different kinds. And they all made me want to... Uh, they made me want to not drink it, but AG1, whew, goes right in. Nice and easy, and you don't know me that well, but I got problems with how things taste and feel in my mouth, and I do not have any problems with AG1. If you want to check it out, go to athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box. With one delicious scoop of AG1 from Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. And these are going to help you start your day off right. And they start mine off right, because that's when I take it in the morning. This special blend of ingredients supports my gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, and focus. All the things that, um, you know, I'm getting older. I need that stuff. AG1 is completely lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. And it contains less than one gram of sugar. No GMOs and no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. It just tastes good, and it's got all that good stuff in it. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits, and it's the one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box. Get this, right now when you go to my link, they're gonna give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Once again, athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box links in the show notes links at juiceboxpodcast.com if you can't remember athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box and usmed.com forward slash juice box looking back now are you happy you did it i am yeah, definitely in those moments, it was really scary because he was quite sick and it was a lot more intense than I ever thought it would be. I never really anticipated that he would get such extreme side effects from it. Sure. But I think what we're seeing now is he's very stable and not really needing a lot of insulin the majority of the time. So when when you go in initially for the trial, how do they... I'm going to say sell it to you, but that's not what I mean. You understand what I'm saying? Like, how, how is it presented to you if you get this medication and it works for you? Here's what we think could happen. What do they tell you then? They basically tell us they're looking at what could happen. They don't tell you what the effects are because I think they don't really want to sway you in one direction or the other. Okay. But they're looking, they tell you that it's a medication that's designed to decrease the amount of antibodies because when you're first diagnosed, you tend to have about 20 to 30% pancreatic function. And then the antibodies over time will destroy the remainder of that. So this medication is used to destroy those antibodies to keep that pancreatic function for as long as possible. And you think- and in the hopes that it will stabilize blood sugars and decrease insulin needs. Right. And you think that's happening? I feel like it is. Our endocrinologist thinks that it. she thinks it's all the trial medication that is doing that. What do you mean? She really thinks that he she's really curious why he's still in honey his honeymoon and how little insulin he actually needs and how 
stable his numbers have been. She's just because his, she said, typically when she sees results like this, the kids tend to be very early on in diagnosis. Like usually they are being screened and they have a sibling with type one or something like that. And they're quite early on and their A1Cs will drop from whatever it is, seven, eight, nine at diagnosis to kind of five to six pretty quickly after starting insulin. And then they tend to need very little insulin from the start and then eventually will creep up. Whereas Oliver, his A1C at diagnosis, I think was 7.9. And then he kind of just dropped a little bit at a time for quite a while until now he's kind of standing between 5.5 and 6. So she thinks typically because we didn't see that initial large drop that hmm. he wouldn't have stayed in his honeymoon as long as he is. And that his insulin needs wouldn't be as low as they are right now. So she believes that the med- that the tamizaplab is helping too. Yeah. By the way, tamizaplab, right? Is that right? It's like a tongue twister. Yeah, I get it wrong almost every time. So she thinks it's working. You do you believe it's working and don't want to be too hopeful about it? Like, is that the idea? I think it's working. I the hard part is, I feel like we're seeing some benefit from it, but now I'm like, now what? Because the trial, they finished taking kids into the trial. It's not been approved anywhere for use with type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. So there's no opportunity to see, well, would another dose kind of keep that going for even longer? And there's there's no opportunity for that whatsoever because it's not – because this is a trial to try to get this through the FDA. Yes. Right. So it's not like – it's not like they can just say, hey, take more. It's okay. We want you to have it. They might want you to have it. They can't give it to you outside of the trial. Exactly. You can't sign back up for the trial for because they, they're not doing a trial on somebody two years out. They're doing this one-year trial. Yeah. Well, okay. it's actually, so it's 18 months in total at a time that we, oh, okay. from start to finish. Huh. Is that sad? Or do you, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to find out is, First of all, I think this is amazing that you guys are doing this. It's a lot of effort. You could have ended up with a placebo. Um, you know, so just thank you from everybody for doing it. That's that part's amazing. But are you sad now that it's over? Like is there a part of you that's like, well, if we can't help him, what's the point? Actually, no. I feel like I'm hoping that this can benefit kids that are being diagnosed or being detected prior to diagnosis with antibodies because they're hoping to catch kids prior to even showing signs and symptoms of type one, just knowing that they have the antibodies to kind of give that as a preventative method to delay the onset of type one diabetes. And I'm also just thankful for this time that we've had that he's been so stable and on such little insulin. Is it strange to think that you might not really even know what you're doing yet and that diabetes is actually going to start over again when the trial's over? Not really, because I feel like I've gained so much information over the past year that I feel like we're we're getting there. And I'm always kind of prepared for when things are going to change because it really, with diabetes, he gets sick, something changes, he goes out and runs a marathon, something else changes. So it's kind of always evolving it's like the math question that's always changing. One plus one never makes two. Yeah. And and so at the moment, you're just doing everything you would normally be doing, but you're doing it with less insulin. Yeah. Yeah. Got gotcha. And some t- often no insulin at all. How long? For how, how what kind of stretches could you uh, By the way, is he on a pump or Yeah, he's on Omnipod. Okay. So are there times when you just have to take a pump off? 
yeah, I just turn it, I just dial it down to zero. And we just like the other day he had a track and field meet at school and he ran a 400 meter race. And after that, I couldn't give him insulin for anything. He had pizza, he had cookies. We had to turn on, he still went low after that. We had to turn off his basil all night. He just didn't need any. And he can come sometimes go for two or three days. Then typically he'll need a little bit of something. You start to so see it doesn't it really up. last for very long, but he's still, even when he does need a little bit, he's kind of often eight or nine. Okay. 15 is like a big day for us when we need, we need to use 15 units. And usually that's like a birthday party or just chilling on the couch or he's getting sick or something like that. That's total insulin too, not just basil. That's total insulin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How much does he weigh? What did you say? He weighs 90 pounds. Hmm. Hold on. 10 years old. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty He's crazy. Tall. He's got size nine men's feet already. He's going to be a big kid. That's just crazy though, because it, it's possible that he could use as much as like 20 units of just basal insulin at that weight. Right. Yeah. A lot of my friends are on a one to five carb ratio. We're one to 45, sometimes one to 100. Yeah. No kidding. Wow. So it is, I mean, Listen, I guess you could say he could have had a, a honeymoon for this long, but I mean, it, it sure feels like that the the trial is is helping him. That, definitely. That is the one hard thing with the trial is the honeymoon is not controlled. Like no two children have the same honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. And some kids will just naturally have a prolonged honeymoon phase with no insulin. And some kids will have a really short two week long honeymoon phase. And even with their honeymoon, they need, just need a little bit less insulin than maybe they would regularly yeah yeah wow so do you have hmm, when you need to talk to somebody about diabetes can you talk to anybody who's using insulin or is it more difficult for to find somebody who understands the scenario you're in sometimes it can be quite difficult because people they're they they do not relate to like what do you mean he doesn't need insulin for this or he's done some activity and now for days on end he we can't give him insulin or any insulin because it just tanks him. So it is definitely a little bit of a challenge to find because like our endocrinologist even at first was like, well, he needs a little bit of insulin. And I was like, but if I give him a little bit of insulin, especially last summer, he would go low and yeah. he would just stay low. So it was really challenging. And even now when I have questions, I go to my team and I'm like, okay, well, this is what's going on. And they're like, I don't even know what to tell you. Right. Everybody's just got to guess because, you know, based on their best guess. I, I mean, it makes sense. It all makes sense. It's just, uh, it's kind of fascinating. In the um, in the meantime, have you had your other child checked by TrialNet? Not yet. I am just waiting for it to come in the mail. Oh, you are thinking of doing it? Yeah, I'm going to get them tested. Okay. Especially with so much in our family, I just feel like it's worthwhile. Right. No, no, of course. I um, wondered if you had any other autoimmune in your family, on your side first. My side, Yes. We have, my dad has Crohn's disease, Crohn's. but that's really about it. No kidding. Um, celiac, uh, you got a bipolar uncle. Um, no. Nothing. Just that stuff. Pretty, I'm pretty boring, really. I don't know. You've got five cousins that have type 1 diabetes <laughs> and your kid's in a really cool drug trial. You're not that boring. And you catch babies. They're Canadian babies, but still that counts, <laughs> you know? Babies yeah, are babies. It's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, you can't judge babies by what country they're born in. You absolutely are just catching. It's it's a really. How do you get that job? By the way, uh, lots of training. 
<laughs> oh, well, honestly, it's that's a whole nother podcast on its on its own. I really didn't know what I was going to be when I grew up, and I've gone through many different careers, and now I'm kind of quote experienced. I don't feel like I am all that much, but um, yeah, I've gone from one thing to the next, and this is kind of where I landed. I went NIC, neonatal intensive care. I did for a while before that, and then I went into labor and delivery, and I just love it. Wow, neonatals. Um- that's a tough one, right? I, I have a friend who does that. You have to have a certain kind of makeup to be around sick babies and to not have it really impact you terribly. Do you agree with that? Possibly. Yeah. I loved it. I felt like it was absolutely amazing. There was definitely heartbreaking cases, but when you have the heartbreak, it's actually really a privilege to be with somebody at the most difficult time of their life and to make it as not really good isn't a word for it but just make it as peaceful as you possibly can right. Adele, but um, mostly to, the good times outweigh the bad which is why i stay at it well, we have to we have to take a detour here for a second so listen just go with me for a second okay you're sure. you're really really nice why what happened your good parents <laughs> did you see something terrible did, did jesus speak to you in a dream what has happened why are you so i tried I didn't try to make you say something negative, but I led all of your questions in the beginning in a negative direction to see what you would do. And you you did not follow that direction once. What what I'm being serious now. Don't laugh because you're gonna think Scott. I'm joking around. Why are you so nice? Don't tell me it's because you're Canadian. Oh, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It's because I'm Canadian. Come on. We're all super nice up here. <laughs> Seriously, are you aware of this about yourself? Well, I think it's probably what makes me a good nurse. Although my husband, he would say he's he thinks that I'm the least compassionate person around, and he's like, I don't know how you make your how you're a good nurse because you're so uncompassionate. No, yeah, his opinion of you is not important because obviously you're torturing him for sport. That's a different situation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about I'm talking about the rest of us. Like, so seriously, traumatic thing in childhood. Are you are you compensating for something? Are you really happy? What is happening? Um, you don't know. Do I'm just you? a pretty easygoing person, I think. Wow, so good for you! Congratulate. You don't even realize you won like some sort of a lottery. Oh no! You know what it is? Is honestly, I feel lucky to be alive after what happened last year. I think that that's actually changed my attitude and everything a lot more. Because oh, okay. during the midst of the whole clinical trial that Oliver was in, he was really sick, and then that wasn't enough. I got really sick. And then I ended up in the hospital for quite a long time and just about passed away. So Whoa. I feel really lucky okay, to be alive. Okay, slow down, Adele. What did you get, so, the polar bear flu? What happened? How did you get sick? Oh, I had, um, so with Oliver, my child that has type 1 diabetes, he had a pretty traumatic entry into the, the world. He decided to come out umbilical cord first, and which is not really a great way to decide to come into the world. So I ended up with a C-section with him. And it causes a lot of scar tissue and that scar tissue wraps around your small intestine. And when it strangulates off a part of that, it can be quite terrible. And so being young and healthy, nobody really thinks that there's something like that going on. They're just like, oh, you have period cramps. Oh, well, maybe you have a little bit of a GI bug. And of course, when I do things, I do it really, really well. So I was like, no, I'm going to show you guys all that you're all wrong. I'm going to just have a small bowel obstruction. And yeah. So you had a small bowel obstruction that almost killed you? 
Yeah. Mostly because nobody really knew how, thought it was that severe because I'm so young and healthy and fit. And I have a really high pain tolerance too. I don't really, I'm kind of nervous about being a hypochondriac. So I tend to not really go to doctors for anything. I tend to just wait until something goes really wrong. I was going to say, maybe it's just that you're in such a good mood that people are like, she's not in as much pain as she's saying. Look at her. She's smiling. Right. Like, are you one of those people who's standing there telling me, I, I think I have a small bowel obstruction, but you're saying it with a smile on your face and then asking me how I'm doing? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm like, I oh, I feel a little bit of cramping. I'm like, it's kind of like labor pains. And the first thing they're like, oh, you're pregnant. I'm like, no, no I'm too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> Young enough to be healthy. Too old. To yes, exactly. Okay. So <laughs> two and done. <laughs> tell, tell, so, be, so prior to this experience, were you a little more morose than you are now, or no? Um, I, I think no. I think this is how you are. It could be partly how I am. I definitely feel like with all that's happened in the last year, a whole new kind of sense of purpose and just a really. Can you talk about deeper that? sense of gratitude? Yeah. Can you talk about that for a second? What What about your experience makes you feel that way? I think just being thankful that I'm alive. Because quite honestly, like when they took me into the operating room, by that point, I was so sick that I just went unconscious. And I was shocked to wake up. I was like, wow, I can't believe that I've actually survived this. Hmm. It was a long recovery and lots of complications with it. And the fact that, and the mortality rate is somewhere between 60 to 80% for what I had and how severe I had it. So I just really was thankful that I feel really like I got a second chance at life and just able to be there for my children. All of this so. is from scar tissue from a C-section because that kid tried to come out belly first and they couldn't get him spun around. And so- exactly. And then I don't understand. Like, so the scar, I mean, it's a fairly common procedure at this point, right? A C-section. So there's follow-up. How did the follow-up not point to the C-section? Because it just goes over time. And the C-section that I had with my son was not a normal C-section either because it was so emergent. So it was very, it was more traumatic C-section. They I, had to cut in many different directions. And How big was the baby? Oh, he was teeny. He was six pounds. How big are you? I'm a reason. I'm five six, five seven, hundred and thirty pounds. All right, you're like a person. So, but they had to. They opened up like a Christmas present to get the baby out. Pretty much. Oh, that's terrible. What was the recovery like, even before you knew you weren't well? Uh, from my C-section. Yeah, like was it longer than you would have expected? No, it wasn't no. at all. Huh. Hey, I kind of bounced back pretty quickly from that. All right, Adele, I'm going to pull some horribleness out of you. And if I can't do it, you're you're the big winner this week, okay? Sure. Is there no irony that you help people have smooth deliveries for their babies and you couldn't get one? That didn't make you mad? Oh, that's the nurse curse. The nurse curse? Are you trying to name <laughs> the, the episode, curse. Adele? Because you've done it. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's a commonly known thing. We we always joke about how all of the labor and delivery nurses come in to have their babies and something does not go as planned. Huh. There can I share something with you that'll make me sound I don't know how it's gonna make me sound, but 
uh, it doesn't happen to me often. I'm not, I don't want anybody to think that I'm running around feeling like this constantly because I have a good life and I'm, I'm very happy. But there have been times in the past where something's gotten sideways in my life, not usually for me, but for a loved one. And it's hard not to think. I help so many people. How could this go bad for me? You know what I mean? Like you're putting so much good into the world and you think I in this moment when I need it, I can't get a little spoonful of it here, you know? Um, but anyway, I, I would be lying if I said I hadn't felt that way once or twice, but overall it's kind of, I mean, it's bullshit really Adele, right? Like that's not how the world works. Um, it's totally, good. yeah, it's good to put nice stuff into the world. It doesn't mean you're getting it back and it doesn't mean you shouldn't put good things into the world either. Um, but I just, I mean, it just struck me. I was like, how, how did you get a bad delivery? You know what I mean? That's just, it's crazy. All right. Look at you. All right. The nurse curse. That's as mean as you're going to get, huh? <laughs> how do you torture that husband? How come he doesn't think you're so nice? <laughs> oh, because <laughs> when he gets sick, I'm like, you're fine. Suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay. How does, um, so we know that, that Oliver manages with Omnipod when he needs insulin. I'm assuming he has a CGM as well. Yeah, he has a CGM. We are mostly on Dexcom because that's part of the trial is we're, we're trying Dexcom. We struggle with it a little bit because for some reason, it always reads low when he's not actually low. And then eventually it craps out because it's been reading low for so long. Hmm. So according to uh, Dexcom, his he's like 50% low and 50% in range. <laughs> what are we calling a low? Oh, it just says low. Uh, That's is, what Dexcom says. Is he well hydrated? It goes like 2.5 and then it just reads low. Is he well hydrated? He's very well hydrated. He drinks lots of water. Do you ever try calibrating the Dexcom? I do. And then usually it'll go to a fail after I calibrate it. So I've stopped. Interesting. Is he very, <laughs> very too low lean? to calibrate? Is he very lean? He's really, he's really tall and skinny. Hmm. You do a pinch he's up? He's pure muscle. You do a pinch up when you put it on him? Yep. I do the pinch up. I do the shallow insertion. I've like had them. I've heard about this like upside down insertion. I've tried that. Have you ever tried putting one on yourself to see if it works just for yep. fun and it works okay on you? Yeah. yeah. I got a lot more fat than he does. <laughs> <laughs> I have more. Fat There's a little bit does. more substance. there. I have more than he does. Yeah. I've well. tried everything that he does because I want to know what it feels like mm -hmm. so I can kind of relate to him. So I've had it and it's really cool to see what your own blood sugar does. It's actually, I'm going to say this, it's actually incredibly valuable because being able to see how meals impact somebody who whose pancreas is working gives you a great idea of what it is you're shooting for in life with diabetes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And just to see like, how, how do I feel when I go low? Because I go low a lot. And then what makes me go really, really high? And I mean, high for me is eight or nine. I don't get very high very often. Sure. But it was just really fascinating to see those different things and things that you think that maybe would go really high and you don't. Hmm. I wonder if and the, the effective exercise. I, I just got done interviewing Jake from Dexcom just the other day, actually. And um, the new one, the G7, when it comes out, will have a much shorter sensor wire. Um, the one on the G6 is 13 millimeters. And you're Canadian, so you actually have an idea of what I mean when I say that, unlike <laughs> Americans who are like, I don't know what that means. Uh, but now it's going to be down to six millimeters and it's going to go in on a 90 instead of on a 45. And I wonder if oh, even nice. that might not help you a little bit. 
Interesting. Yeah, because the Libra works amazing for us. Mm-hmm. Then maybe that's going to be something you figure out here. Interesting. I'm really hoping for the G7 to come out sooner than later, but we're in Canada. Everything is about five years behind anywhere else in the world. No, you're over-exaggerating a little. Is it five years? Pretty much. Uh You guys got Omnipod 5. That's going to be like in the next 10 years in Canada. (laughs) If it it is not, I I know nothing, but it is not going to take 10 years. That's for sure. Um, It feels like it. You guys are all rubbing it in. Well, it's, is that what you're seeing? The people online are super excited. They're getting their, their emails about Omnipod 5 and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, oh, I guess you wouldn't consider even using an algorithm until you can get a CGM that's working well for your son too. Yeah. Yeah. We have to figure out how to get a CGM. He's pretty particular about where he'll wear things too. And because it's his body, I want to have let him have some control over things. So I just try to go with it. But um, he's like, I have other areas on him. I'm like, well, there's a little bit more meat here. Like, let's try this, but he just won't go for it. So Hmm. do you ever just try bribing him? Oh gosh. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) He's gotten a lot of bribes. It's Vancouver. That's pretty much a city, Vancouver, right? Vancouver is a city. Yeah. yeah, I'm on the island though, so I'm on my own little. Oh, oh, I see. Smaller, smaller place. How long does it take you to get off the island? Uh, from where I live, it's an hour-ish plus, or, well, almost two hours to the ferry terminal, and then another two-hour ferry. Wow! So you don't leave that often? No. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Once you're on the ferry, we don't even cross the bridge to go <laughs> from one side of the town to the other. <laughs> you won't even go to the other side of the island. <laughs> exactly too far never mind don't need it oh you live on that side of the 17th street bridge never mind <laughs> oh yeah 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 i see what you're saying right right yeah those people over there <laughs> exactly <laughs> how big is the island in jet do you know i can look if you don't know it's big actually it's oh. quite big like there's kind of three main cities on it and then there's a ton of smaller areas to go visit it says let's see the island is 456 kilometers in length, 100 kilometers in width, 32,000 squared. Huh. I wonder, um, Vancouver Island size perspective. Let me see if I can find out what else it's here. Putting Vancouver Island into perspective. Oh, the internet. Thank you, internet. Oh, that's a that's a map. I need words. <laughs> this is not helpful. New Zealand, maybe. Okay, comparison: a list of countries that the Vancouver Island is larger than: Belgium, Albania. This is not Equatorial <laughs> Guinea. Uh, this is not a this is not a flex. Adele, we we Cyprus, <laughs> Lebanon, um, Qatar. The Bahamas. All right, it's right. It's not that big. Were you born there? No, I'm from Saskatchewan, the prairies. How do you end up there? The boy? Did the boy take you? No, I just yeah, I was ready for a change. Ah, I see. I think that's the spot where we should dig to find out where your darkness is. But I'm gonna leave right. you. I'm gonna leave you alone because <laughs> it's not while you're on the podcast. But I'm figuring this out, Adele. I could get this straight. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh-huh. I'm sure you could. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite Adele song? Do, um, do you not like Adele? I like her. I don't know all her songs off by heart, though. 
Interesting. You're not an Adele fan. That seems purposeful. Right? But, uh-huh. I feel like you, you're <laughs> avoiding this on purpose. Um, do you want to know? She's my, had some good songs. Do you want to know my favorite Adele song? I guess. Oh, it's probably Hello? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> there's a version of, I think it's When We Were Young. That she did. Oh yeah. That she did in some studio. It's and there's a video of it online, and it's so it's like a live recorded version. It's my favorite version of any of her songs. So that's it. That's mine. I guess nice. it's when we were young, and I don't I don't know if it's the song or it's the performance. I can't tell you. I think it might be yeah. the performance. All right. Why did you want to? Fifty two minutes later, Adele. Why did you want to come on the podcast? What did you want people to know about the um about the trial? There's a lot of people that have really been interested and they just want to know more about the medication and what it does and different people's experience with it. So that's just what I wanted to talk about is kind of what the experience looked like, maybe some hope for what things could look like in the future for kids that are newly diagnosed Mm -hmm. and just getting into a clinical trial and kind of things to think about, like really the ex the expectation of going into it and how difficult really it is at diagnosis to choose to do that and then how intense it was. I really, I had no idea that it was going to be so involved and that my child would have the effects good and bad that he did. Were you compensated for it? Nope. Not at all. We get uh, Dexcom as part of the trial. Oh, yeah. But- and they pay for our trips to go and like go there and stuff like that. So they pay for the ferry travel and yeah. when we have to stay overnight fair, fair things enough. like that yeah that doesn't that doesn't seem like a bonus to me you i'm old enough now like you, you, you just paying for my travel is not uh that doesn't seem like compensation <laughs> so the other day um so i don't know if i i've explained it here and there but the t1d exchange is not a sponsor of the podcast meaning they don't pay me to say t1d exchange However, when people sign up through my link, I'm compensated when somebody completes the survey. So there's a just it's it's technical, like they're not a sponsor of the podcast, but yet I am compensated by the link. So, you know, anyway, just so that that's clear. So they put this thing out the other day and they said that the first patient dosed with VX880, a stem cell derived potential therapy to treat type 1 diabetes, has achieved groundbreaking insulin independence at day 207, 270 with an HbA1c of 5.2. This means the patient is producing enough insulin to maintain normal blood sugar levels. Uh, it goes on to say Vertex also announced a clinical hold by the FDA as they gather more information about dose es- escalation. Uh, they're working with the FDA, blah, blah, blah. And and the reason I bring it up, is because here's the, the end of the statement. The T1D exchange has been assisting with recruiting for the study of this treatment approach. And I, I reposted that because... I told people all the time, I'm like, I know I'm telling you to take the survey, but you could actually be contacted about studies and all kinds of things. Like there's people who uh, listen to the podcast who were in Dexcom adhesive studies. They were actually compensated for it and got to help Dexcom work on, uh, you know, a better adhesive for the G7. Like there's all these things, but it's so difficult to get people to help with these things. Which is why I'm constantly saying, like, go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box, take the survey, because that's how difficult it is for them just to get the people they need to do that. And not everyone's going to be as nice as you are. So, well, and that's why we went into the study is just really is because it's hard, especially with kids. I mean, 
you're going to give a trial medication to a child, that's pretty big deal, right? Um, with to yeah. see how their body reacts to it. And I mean, I did a lot of research on the medication and this medication has been around for quite a long time and it's used in a variety of autoimmune therapies. So I f- had no question that it was safe, but I felt like it's really hard, especially when you're now telling a parent that your child has a life-changing diagnosis and you need to do all of these things, but don't give them too much insulin because that could kill them, but don't give them too little because that could also kill them. Yeah. And then you're like, here's the study that you could be in, but we don't know anything about it. And it's just, it's so much coming mm-hmm. at you all at once. And then, you know, to try to recruit enough people to actually make a change or to show some benefit. I think that that's a really, really hard thing to do, especially when you involve kids. And not that I want to make my child kind of a guinea pig for anything, but if I can help him and have him be get some benefit as well as helping other kids, I think that that's really worth it. Yeah. I have to say like it, it, the interesting thing about the T1D exchange as an example, and to build on this idea is that they're not necessarily saying you need to be in a trial. They're actually saying, if you could just fill out the survey, your answers help people. And that's difficult to do. I'll tell you right now, I have to drive, I have to drive 10 clicks to get three people to take the survey. And that's a lot. And on top of that, getting getting someone who can even drive 10 clicks is difficult. So there's difficulty layered on top of difficulty just to get your feedback, forget you to get, you know, forget getting into a trial. And I understand it. Like, I'm not coming down on people like people's lives are busy. You're not looking for another thing to do a lot of the times. But the truth is, is when you do these things, I mean, there could be some real significant benefit for people. And those people might end up being you one day, too. Or if it's not you. I mean, you know, look at Adele's situation. She got five cousins and now her kid has it. So maybe Adele's kid will have five cousins and none of them will have diabetes. And then somebody's grandchild down the road will have it. Like you're going to end up helping somebody. Um, but, you know, again, it's I know people are busy. Uh, that's what I think makes it uh, special that you guys did this. So thank you very much. It's really yeah, nice. No, it was it was definitely eye opening and. I don't know how long we're going to keep benefiting from it, but right now he's super stable and not a ton of insulin. So I will just take it. Yeah. Does he know he's helping people? Yeah, he really, it was his choice. Like I give him a choice with a reasonable choice with as much or as little as we can. And so I told him it was his choice. Like if he doesn't want to do this, we don't have to do it. And if at any point during the trial that he decided that this was too much for him, he didn't have to go through with it. So I made it his choice and we talked about why he was doing it and what the importance was. And so I think he was really, when he was diagnosed, I was really shocked at my child because really the first thing, like one of the first things I said to him is, you know, I know it sucks. Like this is really, you know, it's really crappy, but unfortunately I guess he'll get used to it. And he's like, oh mom, fortunately I'm going to get used to this. This is going to be fine. Diabetes is no big deal. We've got this. And then, then one day we first got our pump on and this is really quite funny or cute. We were driving home and they, of course, set up our pump settings quite low and quite conservative. And so he was starting to go a little bit high. So I was like, oh, well, Oliver, what do you think we should do? He's like, oh, mom, that's easy. We just have to be bold with insulin. <laughs> you let that boy listen to this podcast? I think that's Oh, shocked. yeah. He's listened to the podcast since day one. My girlfriend told me about it and he's always been really curious. He picks out the episodes and... 
Oh, yeah. wow. I tell people that kids listen, and that's why I'm not, <laughs> I try not to be too dirty most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's very cool. Good for him. He also has your attitude, obviously. Well, I was shocked because I would have never expected that from him at all that he would be so positive because I mean, like I said, he would get a paper cut and scream like his arm was being chopped off and for him to just suddenly be like, okay, yeah, finger pokes, no big deal. Or like, yeah, I've got this. And Hmm. just, Oh, we need a little bit more insulin. Okay. I'll do another poke. I was just shocked. No kidding. And And to that, to this day, he still maintained the same attitude of I can do whatever I want. I've got this and we've got a pump. We'll just dial it in. He's really, really good. That's great. That really is exciting to hear. Well, um, cool. Is there anything we haven't talked about that we should have? Well, that goes on the next podcast. What do you you keep saying that? What else are you going to tell me about? <laughs> I don't know, Scott. I'm sure I'll find something. Yeah, you have nothing. You're just trying to sound like you're. Were we going to talk about the nurse curse and well, the nurse, all the things related to I mean, it? I think I figured out the nurse curse. The nurse curse sounds like you help other people and then you get screwed. Nurse curse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although the one thing is, because I do work in pediatrics. Uh, I see a lot of really terrible stuff. And so I'm always like, you know what? It could be a lot worse. Wait a minute. What terrible stuff do you see? Oh, you see like kids with terminal cancer or brain hemorrhages or just really, really terrible things. Wow. That's really is something. I mean, fortunately with kids, it doesn't happen very often. It's pretty rare. But when things go wrong, it can go really wrong. Yeah. And then you can't get, I mean, is that island prepared to help you or is it, I mean, how many times do you have to fly somebody off that island to get medical care? A lot. Uh Well, especially being in a smaller community. I mean, even just for our very basic diabetic care, we have to go to a bigger city. We don't have any of the resources in our community. We have to drive an hour one way or the other to go to a place that has an educator for kids and a care provider. Hmm. Do you not- and then our endocrinologist is in Vancouver, so we have Zoom appointments with her every few months. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, where's where's the um, the endocrinologist at? Wow, that's really something. Well, you are you're delightful, Adele. I don't know what to say. I mean, you just there's no crack in your armor, or you're it's buried real deep, and you don't want to tell me. When we stop the recording, I'm just going to ask you very quickly one question, and then and then I'll let you go on with your life. Does that seem fair? Sounds good. All right, thank you for doing this. Hold on one second. A huge thanks to Adele for coming on the show and sharing that story. I also want to thank Athletic Greens, makers of AG1, and remind you that you can get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order at athleticgreens.com forward slash juice box. And don't forget, you can get your diabetes supplies the same way we do from US Med, usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888 721-1514. If you're enjoying the Juice Box podcast, please share it with someone else who you think might also enjoy it. Make sure you're subscribed in a podcast app. And don't forget to check out the private Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast.